Hi, and welcome to the podcast ministry of New Life Church in Springfield, Ohio. We hope that the transformative truths of God's Word impact, challenge, and bless you. We're, in, we're now in the fourth week of preaching along these lines, along this message. Uh, you know, but I thought especially at the beginning of the new year, um, some of us, you know, are doing the best we can or, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to do the right thing and life happens. And sometimes you can get just a little bit disillusioned. You know what that, that word means? It means, you know, you just, you're, you're not looking at it how you used to. You know, illusion, disillusion just kind of means I don't see things quite the way that I used to. I know that God is real. I know that God is good, but I'm busy and I'm just kind of, I've seen maybe people do Christianity in a, you know, a kind of twisted, weird way, and that's kind of made me kind of, you know, draw back a little bit how, how some people, you know, act this way or some people act that way, and now I'm just, mm, a little bit, a little bit standoffish, a little bit, uh, you know, I, and I still believe in God, I still love God, but I'm, you know, sometimes I, it's, it's just too easy for me to just kind of roll my eyes at some things, you know, sometimes, and, and I really just need to, uh, to see Christ, to see God in the way that I used to see him, the way, you know, how I felt whenever I first got saved or, you know, that first love, like the Revelation talks about, uh, losing you know, your first love, losing that passion for serving God. It's easy to do sometimes, right? I've been preaching about that, trying to encourage us. And this last part, um, waking up the wonder, I guess my little subheading as I finish, and the reason why I, we did this for one more week is I just felt like I, we weren't quite done here. You know what I mean? It's not quite done. Uh, there's a passage of scripture uh, in, in the Old Testament where a, uh, a prophet comes to a king and says, tell you what, I'm going to kind of give you the opportunity of a lifetime in your kingship. Here's the sheaf of arrows, and I want you to hit the ground. And, and, he, and he lets him know what you're doing is symbolic of your own spiritual, you know, and, and it's prophetic. As you hit the ground, that's how God is going to hit your enemies, Right? And so, so he takes this sheaf of the arrows, almost kind of going through the motions like we do sometimes, right? When we come to church, we go through the motions. And so he hits the ground three times, and it's just kind of done. And the prophet just kind of winces. You know how sometimes you want somebody to do this, give the right answer, and they don't? You're like, ah, so close. You know, whether, it, whether it's you know, maybe a game show or something like that. Oh, how do you not know that? Oh, I can't believe you missed that. How do you not spell that? And that's how the prophet is kind of feeling, because... He takes it out, he hits it three times, boom, 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 done. And the prophet says, man, if you had kept wailing on that, if you had kept striking again and again and again, then you would have, now you'll win three battles. You'll do good for a little bit, and then ultimately you'll be overcome. But if you had kept going in the direction that I was leading you, if you had obeyed me, if you had been passionate about it, then you would have won them all. And so I don't ever want to leave a season that God has taken our church into or through or up to and then leave anything on the table, right? Amen. So waking up the wonder has been the, the title, and our subtitle today would be Where the Wonder Is. Where the Wonder Is. I had this little quote in here, and it's sort of like I've heard things like this before, but God kind of dealt with me. Um, and we'll kind of, it'll make sense in a little bit, but I was thinking that if you live by people's applause, you'll die in their silence. You know what I mean? And that's everywhere. That's in every area of your life. If you live by people's applause, then you will die in their silence. Our text verse today is in Exodus 4, 
verse 10 through 12. Then Moses said to the Lord, let me, let me give you a little bit of context first, okay? So I, I hate it when I do that, and you jump into it and jump back out, but you, you need to know. Maybe somebody, you know, you don't know what, I'm, what we're about to go into. Um, the Lord is calling Moses at this point to be the hero, to be the deliverer of Israel, to take the people who are in bondage out of Egypt and into the promised land. You know, a lot of you know what all this is going to entail. It's going to be all the plagues on Egypt, a lot of back and forth, a lot of craziness. Um, people are going to die. You know, people are going to get sick. Flies are going to come, uh, frogs. A lot of stuff, right? So if, you, if, you, if you've been to, uh, to, you know, to, to you know, Sunday school at all, then you kind of remember this. Oh, yeah, the ten plagues in Egypt and how God got his people out of there. And Pharaoh said, said you know, you're not allowed to go. And Moses said, let my people go. Remember that part? Okay, so this is the preamble to that where he's telling, um, the, he's telling Moses, I want you to go and I want you to speak for me. And I want you to tell Pharaoh these things. I want you to be my ambassador and tell him, let my people go. And Moses has something to say about that. He says, Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant. And there's a lot packed into that, right? Moses is not just saying, I can't talk good. Yeah, can't talk good. I can't speak well. He's saying, I can't speak well, and I can't get my thoughts out well, and I can't do this thing. I couldn't before. You started doing the God thing, and I can't after my encounter with you. Ooh. You know? I think sometimes we expect that, that God will remove all of our doubts and all of our inabilities and all of our weaknesses by, because we, you know, we got saved and you know, we're, we're praying, we're reading our Bible, so now we should just be operating out of you know, just you know, comfort. We should be good at the things that God called us to do. And Moses say, no, you're like, you know, I, I kind of thought that I would just you know, all of a sudden be good at the thing that you called me to do. And I'm not. Moses says to God, you are telling me to do this. I wasn't good at talking before we had our powwow. And I'm not good now. You haven't. And he's kind of, you know, blaming God a little bit. He said, not before nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and slow of tongue, which means I don't know what to say and I have a hard time getting it out. I am, I am not the guy for this. I'm not the guy for this. So the Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth? Kidding me? Who has made man's mouth? Who makes the mute, the deaf, the seeing, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall say. Amen. Praise God. So I, I really did think I was done with the series, and I was kind of looking forward to the next thing. And then, uh, as weird as it sounds, I mean, you know, I, I was not, you know, I read my Bible, but I wasn't reading my Bible whenever the Holy Spirit you know, spoke to me. Thank God that, you know, he can speak to us whenever and however he chooses to. Have you ever had moments like that? You know, he just kind of breaks into your daily life and then just communes with you. It's not just one way. You know, sometimes he communes with you in, in a powerful way. And so here's the deal. I was either reading a book, probably a book, or you know, a podcast, whatever it was, um, and I'll give somebody three chances to guess what subject I was, I was studying on, and the first two don't count. History. I'm a huge history nerd. You guys know well enough to, to understand that this is, this is what it's going to be. This is going to be your meat and potatoes for a while, so just enjoy. Enjoy. 
So I was, yes, uh, reading history or you know, listening to whatever I was doing. Um, the greatest general on the sea, you know, he's an admiral, the greatest, you know, the greatest admiral, the greatest sea captain of all time, probably. I mean, it's, it's you know, theoretically, but I would say it was this one particular guy. Maybe you'd have a different opinion, but his name was Horatio Nelson. Okay. Nelson was a, uh, you know, a, the, the admiral of the British, um, the British Navy uh, whenever Napoleon was you know, attacking and conquering Europe and doing all those things. Remember Battle of Waterloo, all that stuff? Crazy, crazy times. Um, and what kept little tiny England saved is the Channel and Horatio Nelson. So he won these huge, amazing uh, victories at the Nile, you know, the Battle of the Nile, and then the Battle of uh, Trafalgar, if you've ever heard of that. Huge, huge. So in, in to, to the nerds, he is probably the greatest um, sea captain ever to live, I would think. I, there's no one else that I think would come close, actually. So I was just, you know, doing my thing and listening. And I want to try, church, I want to try to just unload something from my spirit that God has placed in there that I think is going to matter. Okay, so lean in. This might sound kind of simplistic. But I've, as I was just studying that, um, the... Uh, you know, the book said you know, Horatio Nelson was this old when he started. He was a young guy, and, and he got terribly seasick his whole career. And he would be very embarrassed, and he would go hide in his cabin and throw up all the time. And I don't know, maybe this is going to be you know, not delivered well, but something hit in my spirit that I cannot, I hope I can describe to you, to think that the greatest sea captain, the greatest admiral of all time, got seasick. I don't know if that's at all going to do anything for you. But man, so you're telling me this guy, it, I would have thought he would be a good land general, maybe a cavalry officer. But man, the Holy Spirit began to speak to me through that simple understanding, through that story, and say, I use the weak things to confound the wise. And you need to stop, and some people under the sound of my voice need to stop deriving your identity, your worth, your calling, and your anointing from the applause of people. Because what you end up doing is because people think you're good at something, you consign yourself to whatever they have called you to do. And not even in a negative way. Maybe you're a really great singer, and so you've been marked as such, and that's your thing. Maybe you're just a really good, you know, you're really good at this. You're good at leader. You're good at math. I don't know what it could be. Whatever it might be, you might be really good at one thing. And for whatever reason, you know, you have just kind of leaned into that, and because, because you did it and people said it was good, you kept doing it, Right? And, and, and it became a lifestyle for you, became like a habit for you, became just uh, honestly kind of merged into your very identity. People, you, know, you did it, and people said, oh, that's good. And so you, th that's what you do, right? That's who you are. And then you, maybe you try something else, and then it didn't go so well. You're like, oh, no, put that aside. You know, I, did not, I did not like the way that I felt in, in the initial failure and in that, so now I'm going to go back to the thing that, that I'm good at. And when you do that, you, I wrote it down, maybe, maybe I can be more clear. When you accept that people's applause is your guide to God's call in your life, 
you end up selling your anointing for the approval of people. You know what I mean? And that's the picture that I kind of see with Moses here. Um, Moses is so used to just hearing, you know, what, what, what am I good at? That's what I'm called to do. What, 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 what do I feel comfortable in? That, that's what I should be. That's, that's what I should pursue. And, and God just doesn't operate like that. God's callings are without repentance. He knows what's going on. And, and, and honestly, the, he, whenever Jesus came to all these men who are just casting their nets, they're like, no, this is what we're good at. We're not good talkers. We don't even have, you know, we, we don't got good, you know, we, we, we're good at catching fish. And Jesus is like, really? It's looking pretty sparse out there. No, no, let us return to our nets. We're good at that. And Jesus said, no, I'm going to make you fishers of men. I have a calling that supersedes what you think your gifting is. So this, this message is not just, maybe it's not for everybody. But it's for somebody. It's for some people. you you got a purpose that's been covered over because, not because you're terrible at something, because you're good at something. And you need to dig deeper, hear the voice of God. And understand who you really are. People don't get to decide that. See, Moses has a hard time wrapping his mind around God's version of who Moses was. You ever been like that? Like, God, you're saying, you know, you got the worship leader up here. I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. And this is going on. And you're just like, yeah, I'm, I don't see me in that song. I don't feel like that's me you're singing about because I'm a loser and I walked in here with issues and problems and failures and shortcomings and I'm not the guy in the song I'm not the girl in the song so I'm glad that you can enjoy it because you're not talking to me you're talking to somebody who's walking in victory because the enemy and life and bad decisions in the past has set your trajectory. This is who you are. And so these worship songs don't always make sense. Moses has a hard, hard time wrapping his mind around the identity of what God is seeing versus what Moses is seeing, what Moses feels, what Moses hears. He's, I, I, that's not me. You're saying I am called to be. Gideon had it terrible. He had the worst. Uh, Gideon's sitting there like literally hiding in a hovel, waiting for, you know, for the enemy to come and steal all his goods. And then and, and the angel walks up. And you almost feel like the angel doesn't know who he's looking for because he's like, all right, we've got a, a powerful, mighty man of valor. And Gideon's like, I don't know who you're talking to. But I'm just trying to survive here. I'm, I'm scared to death. I don't want anything to do with valor. And the angel's just like, no, that's what God said. But this is awkward. As it goes to you, I don't want that. This has not got my name on it. Some of you, got, you think you've got a calling that's not got your name on it. Because it says victorious. Because it says anointed. Because it says man of faith and strong leader and powerful child of God. And you said, that, that's not addressed to me. Yes, it is. You're, you're not listening. You don't know where the wonder is. You've missed it. You've lost track of it. 
Sometimes you have a hard time reconciling what, who God says we are to who we feel like we are. I remember there was a guy who told me, and I've told this story before, and I'll tell it again. This guy, um, he, was a, he was a great preacher, and I was getting ready to preach at a place I'd never been before. I was scared to death, had only preached a handful of times. And he said, man, what are you talking about? I feel like you could pastor right now. You, you could do a great job. And I was like, no, no. But he saw something in me that I didn't see. Might not even have been there because I still had so much work to do. I still have so much work to do. But it meant something when somebody sees and calls something out of you that you don't see. That can be good and bad because I also remember my cousin David Zaku convincing me, this is something Garrett would do, um, convincing me that I could go down this massive hill behind grandma's house on my tricycle. Oh, he believed in me. <laughs> he didn't believe in himself. <laughs> He believed in me to go down on the tricycle. And there was this huge porta potty building down there. And when I say there's like a hundred porta potties and like a huge brick building, there's no end of the story that it could have been good. So either I go right into the brick of the building or I go into these porta potties and then just crash into them in my tricycle. There was, no, there was no version of that that ended well for me. But David's like, oh, you can do it. I get on the tricycle, ah! and I crash horribly. <laughs> And, and then cried, went up, and you know, yelled, I can't believe you made me do that. And, you know, and I've held it against it in my heart ever since. So, so this is really about me today. We're going to work through this. This hurt. No, I'm good. I'm good. He got his. It was in the middle of the summer, and he had skis, old wooden skis, and he just sprayed WD-40 on them and went down. So as dumb as it was what he made me do, he was dumber. So it wasn't malice. He just really didn't, yeah. And I tell you what, sometimes people will see things in you that they shouldn't see in you. See, sometimes people don't see what they should, but there's another side of that that we need to, we need to approach, which is that sometimes people do see things that aren't there. Have you ever been there? You ever, you ever had somebody uh, who, who told you you were worthless? Now, nobody comes right out and says it just like that, but people are sneakier than that. People will, you know, imply that you're worthless or, or, or just act like it or just treat you like it. And it does the same damage. That, that you, you, you're, you're not able to fulfill maybe, you know, some of the dreams that God himself put in you. That can happen, man. That can happen. I know I'm all over the place with the Bible, but, you know, the, everything has to do with everything in the Bible. What do you, you, know, what, what do you want me to do about it? Um, the, uh, these boys... You know, there's 12 of them, and then Joseph is you know, kind of the favorite, and he's having these dreams that not only do the competition, you know, his brothers not understand, his own parents are rebuking him for it. So not everybody is going to see those things in your life that are good for what they are, even the people who care about you. Hey, wake up now. You think just because you're listening to somebody who cares about you that they have the full context of the plan of your life. No. We're too... <laughs> I'm trying to break the yoke here. I'm trying to break the habit of hearing from other people one way or the other what you can only truly hear from God. Why are you listening to people for something that God was meant to say? Now, that's great when encouragement comes and people say good things, and I love it too, you know, and I hope that, I hope that you don't just all hate this message, honestly. You know, I hope this helps somebody. But in the end, I'm not preaching it because I thought you would like it. 
And I'm not coming to you with this word because, you know, it, you know I just needed to do you know, a fourth installment of, of waking up the wonder. I heard from God whenever he began to deal with my spirit about this guy who, who, who should have never been out on the ocean. He got seasick, but he was listening to something different. That little bitty thing in front of you, in front of your feet, that's keeping you from being who you're called to be. Step over it. Get over it. All the greatness that God packed in you. And you got a speed bump that you're making into a mountain. The one or two little things that, that yeah, I know, make you doubt. Hop over it. Because what has been packed inside you and what God would say in the quiet is greater and more impactful and more important than what the world will say out loud. Why do we define our purpose and what God wants to do in our lives by what we cannot do instead of what he can do? You forget who's on your side. And honestly, I fear that the church today, a lot of, a lot of places that maybe you would go, are having an identity crisis more so than ever. An identity crisis. And honestly, it's not, this, it's not what you would think. It's not... Because you know, a lot of people are talking about, you know, our worth and you know, how, how every God is just, is just over the moon in love with us and cares about all these things. And we're perfect all the time. We never do anything wrong. And we're just God's favorite, you know, favorite little boy all the time. You know, that is being pushed pretty heavy. And God does love you. And God does care about you. So I'm not talking about that identity crisis. I'm, there are enough ear-tickling preachers just saying the things that feel good all the time and not the things that challenge us. There are plenty of false prophets who are fulfilling 2 Timothy 4, 3 through 4. And the word of God says, For a time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. We're living that. We have been taught by the world and wrong doctrine, to listen for the sound of man's approval to determine the calling and worth that God has placed on us. Let me ask you this. Can you still be impressed by the things that used to leave you wide-eyed and wonder at the greatness of our God? Are you still impressed with who He is? Because if you're not, you need to wake up the wonder. So here's my, my second text verse, and I'm, I'm wrapping it up. We're, we're, we're moving right along. First Kings 19 and 11 through 13 says, again, this is the prophet Elijah, and he is being uh, spoken to by God. He's had a great moment. You know, and all the prophets of Baal have been killed, and then all the stuff, you know, God has answered and covered the sacrifice and burned it up by fire. Basically, he is, a, he is doing great. But in the end, even though God showed up in a miraculous way, he still kind of feels like he's losing the battle because the queen still wants his head. So he just feels really defeated and very vulnerable. So he goes and disappears, you know, like a wounded bear off into the, off into the wilderness just to be left alone. And so God starts to deal with them. Verse 11 says, Then he said, he being God, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. 
And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. Wow. The wind broke the rocks. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. Still, small voice. So it was when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. Suddenly a voice came to him saying, what are you doing here, Elijah? What a powerful passage of scripture. Are you capable of hearing a still small voice anymore? I want to talk to you know, people you know, who maybe you have a calling. You have a calling into ministry and anointing that's on your life that God has, has placed there and that God has dealt with you. And this is not the first time that you know, you've ever heard something like this. Um, I want to ask you to do a deep, deep look into your own, your, own, your, your own life, your mindset, and ask you, are you listening? What are you listening to? Are you listening to God, that still small voice? Or have you backed yourself and painted yourself into a corner so far by, by what you think you can do and what you can't do, who you're supposed to be and who you're not supposed to be, and, and your weaknesses are playing a big part in that, your failure, and you have backed yourself into a corner uh, to where this is now who I am and where I am. and and, and, and I'm Because I've listened to people. I've listened to people who told me I was a failure. Maybe you listened to people who told you that you were good at something, but you have lost something so important, which is the ability to to pause, to press pause on everything and to stop and to listen and to hear from God. And you're like, I'm about to preach on some people real quick in, in love. Um, you're doing great. But you've lost him because you, you don't hear him in the explosion. You know, it's awesome. But you don't hear him in the wind. You don't hear him in all the amazing, huge, powerful things. And, and you're like, oh, wow, wow, wow. I, I've lost. A, there's something missing. There's something missing because I know God is great. I know he's amazing. I know he's awesome. I know the, all this stuff. I have seen miracles happen. I have seen souls changed. I've seen you know, bondage to be broken in the name of Jesus. I've seen this, and I've, maybe I've even preached it, or I've said it, or I've spoken it, or I've sung it. I've been a part. I've been in the altars praying with somebody and seen God move in their life. I have seen it. I've been about it, and, and it's not wowing me anymore. Woo. Because what I need to hear isn't in the wow demonstration. It's not in the shout. It's not in the demonstration. It's not in you know. It's not even in the gifts of the spirit being moving like you know that what, what I need because that's powerful. That's God. That's anointed. It's wonderful. It's part of it. Yeah, we love it. But what I need to hear isn't in the demonstration. So for a while now, I've not heard what I need to hear. That's leaving me in a dark place, honestly. We can be that way, right? Because we train ourselves, our ears, to hear the wow, the awesome. But how long has it been since you remember where the wonder was? You remembered where you could really find the wonder because it's not in all those things. Oh, I love it. It's great. It's part of, you know, it's part of the walk you know, that God has for us. 
But the still, small voice of communion with God, when he speaks into your life, into your heart, through his word, through prayer, through reading, through preaching, and it's just you. It's not 19 people all you know, in one, but your relationship with God, the things that you need to hear. How long has it been since you heard the still, small voice? That still, small voice. And it speaks even today. So this is the last, probably the last part of, of this series. But this is for, this is a call for weary warriors. For heavy laden saints, people who, who operate in the wonder, who operate in the, in the wind and the fire. You, like, you, 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 do, you, you, you do all that you can and you're faithful. But there's something missing because in all the other noise, all the other applause, all the other stuff, we, we, we've lost on the wind. We've lost that still small voice. So I want to challenge you here today. If that's you, you can absolutely reconnect with God. You can hear that voice again. 